The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara of the Providence Journal and I'm here with uh, Bill Koch of the Providence Journal. It's a busy time of year. Uh, We have the Providence College URI basketball game on Saturday. And, uh, Bill, that's all we're going to talk about today, if that's okay, on the, uh, this uh, edition of the podcast. I, I would say that's probably all anyone's talking about at this point, uh, if you're a college basketball fan in Rhode Island. So I am all good with that, Kevin. Busy time of year. Uh, we, you were down in Kingston today with the Rams, and I was over uh, at Providence with uh, the Friars. Uh, Friars coming off an 88-84 win over Ryder uh, and didn't play well. So I don't know if that's good or bad that you score 88 points and didn't play well offensively or defensively. Uh, but at this stage, I, I, you know, style points, I think, do matter in the non-conference where maybe in conference play you just want to win and move on. Uh, you know, the Friars were not happy with the way they played, but uh, I know you saw a little bit of it, Bill, uh, especially in the second half defensively with Ryder scoring 53 points. Uh, that, that's not what we're looking for, as uh, Coach Parcells would say. Well, and giving up 14 offensive rebounds as well. Providence got out-rebounded in this game, 38-37, and you would look at Ryder and you would say, you know, sort of a smallish lineup, not necessarily a Big East-level front court. Uh, so that would be a little disturbing for me. And then, you know, I look at Ryder's guards, the way they play play Jordan Allen uh, had 28 points in this one and and Stevie Jordan Kevin who I know you pointed out uh, in some of your work in today's journal with 19 and 9 assists and he did have 7 turnovers that's a little much but those two guys are very disruptive and I look at their performances and think URI's guards are probably a little better than those guys what is Providence going to do in the next couple days to adjust the game plan? Yeah, I think what Providence has developed into after six games of the season is they, they've fallen into the trap of playing up to the level of their competition. Uh, Jalen Lindsay today, uh, the senior from Providence, pretty much said that we overlooked Ryder and didn't pay them as much uh, you know, respect as they deserved, which is really you know not a good situation at all. Uh, Who knows? Uh, hey, that, that was the bat phone, but, uh, you know, the bat phone is uh, – Robin knocked it out, if that's okay. I don't know if anyone heard that in the background. Myself and Bill heard the bat phone ringing a little bit here in our plush Providence Journal studios. Yeah. But uh, we're going to get back to the basketball. We, we don't take calls on we, this no, no calls. No calls. Uh, save those for Gresh at night. Uh, yes. Gresh or Dan York are good friends. Six to nine, all sports. If you want to throw Dan York a curveball at WPRO, you can do that in the uh, mid-afternoon That's as right. Well. But um, – uh, for example, you know, Providence played really well, probably their best uh, all-around game of the season uh, against Boston College on, on Saturday, just a few days ago. And, you know, uh, clearly Ed Cooley would have liked to see his team build off that effort uh, against Ryder, and it didn't happen. Uh, needless to say, I, I think they'll be ready for Saturday, but that's not the type of consistency any team's looking for. Well, if I'm a coach, quite frankly, uh, I would kind of like my team to – sort of play a game like they did against Ryder only because I get to criticize them and and I would be able to be correct. I can go into film review and say, hey guys, we made some mistakes here. And if you're coming off a game like Boston College where you win 
picks, and you really just sort of dominate that one from start to finish. The only guy you really couldn't control was Deontay Hawkins. Otherwise, you shut down Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman, who's as good a backcourt as you're going to play against all season. If you have another similar performance, let's say you go out and you beat Ryder by 25 or 30, and Ed Cooley is trying to make corrections in film session, it's, it's human nature, right? You watch it and you say... All right, coach, whatever you say, we blew those guys out. You know we played the game well. You know we followed the game plan. We got this for Saturday. We're fine. And Mm -hmm. if you're a head coach, you always want to be able to retain those one or two aces up your sleeve to sort of, you know, maybe poke and prod your team just that little five or six percent extra. No, uh, there's no question. I'm sure the film session uh, pre-practice today was uh, long and loud, as it should be, but it certainly gives uh, Cooley and his coaching staff something to build on. Uh, Rhode Island comes into the PC game after a really impressive 86-62 win over Brown. Uh, I I could kind of see this coming a little bit after seeing both teams. I think Rhode Island's uh, defensive pressure and the way they want to play really doesn't play into what Brown was looking to do in uh, 43-25 at the half. They, they took him out of it pretty quickly. Well, the the big stats that I looked at and that I highlighted in my game story were Rhode Island outscored Brown in the first half, 18-6 to in the paint, which meant the Bears weren't getting anything easy. 23-8 uh, to off the bench, thanks to Fat Rus- uh, Fats Russell, who had a career-high 20 in this one. Uh, I believe he had 13 at the break. Uh, you know, And then in points off turnovers, it, w- it was a 10 nothing shutout, Kevin. And we've seen you or I do this to a couple teams this year now, whether it be Brown or UNC Asheville or Holy Cross. They're generating live ball turnovers. Uh, forcing steals on the perimeter and running those out into layups. And for a team that's been offensively challenged at time, uh, you know, while Dan Hurley's been here, I feel like that's a really good development, especially considering this team doesn't have much size and isn't going to be able to line up in the half court, throw it inside, and get too much all that easy around the basket. And is down E.C. Matthews, potentially, you know, one of their top two, two, three leading scorers for sure. Okay, that's it for the review uh we're going to look ahead to saturday and i got a few um points here to make we're going to start with just some background providence for anyone who isn't paying attention has won seven in a row in this series it's the last time that that's happened was in the early 60s basically for 50 years so these teams go back and forth uh home court is usually a, a very key part of the mix uh, but it hasn't been in the last seven years. Dan Hurley has yet to win in this series as he's 0-5. Well, now keep in mind also, Kevin, that the teams were playing twice a year at that point. Sure. So the the distance time-wise between wins for URI was only half as long. You're talking about a legitimate seven-year gap now, whereas at that point it was only three and a half. Right. Good point. Yeah, obviously they were playing at Keeney Gym and uh, at Alumni Hall uh, back in the uh, early 60s. Uh, so I, I guess the question is, is I would imagine that in this circumstance, the, the pressure to win, if there's pressure to win the game for both teams, I would say it's more on the Rams. You know, they're, they're picked to win their league. They're at home. Uh, as everyone tells me, geez, it seems as if the Rams are due. I, I think they're overdue. And uh, it could be the year. You know, and Dan Hurley also made a good point. Uh, he and Ed Cooley 
had said when they both got hired that they wanted this game to have a national profile, and now it does. This yeah. will be on CBS Sports. Uh, it'll be at 5 o'clock. It's a national broadcast for anyone who's not in the area who would like to tune in. Uh, you can check this one out. You know, Dan made a good point. With the struggles of the A-10 so far out of conference, and, and they have struggled mightily, um, this is a chance for URI to get another top 50 win uh, in terms of the RPI. They're looking ahead to March. They're emboldened by the fact that they made the NCAA tournament last year, and, and a lot of their discussions have been sort of taking on a different tone this year. They're not afraid to talk about their resume or about building a schedule that will harden them uh, you know, for later in the season, in March, in the postseason. Uh, they have a top 50 win over Seton Hall, um, you know, who was in the top 25 at the time. A nice win in Brooklyn over Thanksgiving, uh, 75-74 on a, a last-second shot by Jared Terrell. This is another team in Seton Hall's conference who figures to contend for a Big East title or at least be right there among the top three or four throughout the season. And I think that's what Dan Hurley was emphasizing today uh, at practice when he said, this is a chance for us to bank another one of these. If we look in the A-10 right now, Rhode Island is the only team in the A-10 in the top 50, and they can't play themselves. Mm-hmm. Providence will have multiple chances against Villanova, Creighton, Xavier, um, Seton Hall, you know, Seton Hall. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know they could go four or five and four and six against top 50 teams and still be okay on Selection Sunday. Rhode Island needs this from that perspective to sort of solidify their standing. So the question is, are they equipped to defend their home court and, and, and get the win? Uh, uh, keys for me, uh, the backcourt. You know, Rhode Island's strength is their backcourt. Uh, even down E.C. Matthews, they have experience. They have a different set of uh, equipment. Uh, you know, everybody brings a little bit something different to the table, whether it's Jared Terrell and his scoring and his defending, uh, Jeff Doughton and his playmaking and, you know, long arms should be able to, you know, guard multiple players. Uh, Fats Russell with his energy off the bench. Uh, Stan Robinson, who's, you know, not maybe not playing guard, but he, he, is, he looks like a guard. Uh, clearly, that's Rhode Island's strength. Well, last year in this game, Kyron Cartwright was the best guard in the game. So I, I, and Jarvis Garrett, who's a senior uh, for, the, for the Rams. Um, so the question is, is those, that array of guards... Uh, can they neutralize Cartwright? And that was a lot of the talk in Kingston today as well. Uh, you know, Dan Hurley felt like that was sort of the game that got Kyron Cartwright started last year. He had 19 points. He hit four three-pointers. He had eight assists and only one turnover in that 63-60 win. Uh, you know, Jarvis Garrett admitted very flatly. He said, yep, I'll be honest. Kyron Cartwright got me last year. He beat me in that matchup. Um, you know, and you look at Kyron this year, just the confidence that he's playing with, the fact that he's assisting on 44% of made field goals while he's on the floor, the fact that he's looked to score it now a little bit more. Uh, you know, he's not shy about taking a three-point shot or trying to go to the rim. Um, he is the straw that serves the drink on, on that Providence team. Yep. Uh, there's no question about it. And, you know, Dan Hurley said today he feels like he's one of the best point guards in the Big East and is going to be a major headache to deal with. No, I think if he's playing at a high level, uh, he's the difference maker that Providence is going to need. That said, uh, as recently as last night against Ryder in the second half, he was not a dominant player and, and, and didn't play up to his capability. And uh, sure enough, Ryder scores 53 points in the second half. Um, the other key, uh, and Bill, if you can give us a, a, a health update on Cyril Langevin. 
uh, practiced in full today. Dan Hurley said this is the best he's looked uh, since before the Nevada game, which he played hurt. Uh, he had a groin injury. He missed the last three. Came back in limited duty against Brown. Uh, came off the bench, played 11 minutes, had seven points and you know a couple block shots and looked like nothing had really happened. Uh, now, whether or not he expands his role on Saturday, I expect he will. I don't know if he'll start, uh, but you could safely assume that he's going to have to play 20-25 minutes in this game for Rhode Island to win. It's like we said on our last podcast. I would have sat him you know, all the way to here. Yeah, uh, I understand playing him against Brown because you knock some of that rust off, you get him dressed, you get him out there, and you see how he reacts. But this is a game where they really need him. Uh, you know, Brown's a little undersized, and those two games in Brooklyn against Seton Hall and Virginia, those were coin flips even with him. Um, you know, but this is a game where you're playing Providence, and they've got some bodies up front who can do some damage against you, whether it be Rodney Bullock or Khalif Young or Nate Watson off the bench, who's looked very impressive early on here, the freshman. Um, you know, and for me, I just don't think that you'll be able to win this game if you're Rhode Island going 35 minutes with Stanford Robinson guarding Rodney Bullock. No, clear, clearly not. They're going to need something, and the guy we're leaving out has been the unsung player of the, of the season for the Rams so far in, in Andre Berry. Uh, they need something from Andre Berry, and he's been a very consistent player for them, especially offensively up front, and I expect that to continue on Saturday. Uh, Providence has had a really interesting season with their big guys. Uh, obviously, down Emmett Holt, who I, I, I thought it was interesting that Ed Cooley went out of his way last night in the post game to emphasize that people are just forgetting that Emmett Holt's absence uh, absence is is really stymieing the growth of his team and uh, I think because we haven't seen him play at all we just assume he's out of sight out of mind he's really not uh, he's, he's his absence is big for the Friars but his replacements are a, a little used sophomore Khalif Young and a freshman Nate Watson and they've been wildly inconsistent especially defensively to the point where when other teams don't really have a post player Rodney Bullock has been playing the five uh, and we could see that on Saturday as well. If by chance, you know, Dan Hurley's rolling with a lineup that doesn't have Barry or Langevin in it, which is possible, uh, you know, uh, a Nicole Kelly kind of acting as the five, I, uh, Cooley would counter with sitting his two big guys. And, uh, you know, because defensively, they have a tough time chasing guys around. No, you look at last night, Khalif Young had a zero against Ryder. No points in 16 minutes. More importantly, look at the rebound column. Yeah, one rebound. Uh, you know, which is really they need Khalif to impose himself physically underneath. Uh, and, and Nate's numbers too, if you can. Yeah, Nate Watson uh, last night three for six from the field, nine points, and only two rebounds. Uh, that's in ten minutes. It's a problem. So, the, the, the rebounding of those two big guys is a concern. Uh, it needs to improve, and it needs to improve very quickly. That's that's reasonable production, but that does go a long way to explaining how they got out rebounded by a guard oriented team like yeah. Ryder. Uh, you know, for me, I look at Rhode Island's numbers, and I look back to the game they lost against Virginia, which was 70-55. They sort of wilted at the end. They were tired. They, they maxed it out that first game against Seton Hall and, and just didn't have much left down the stretch. But in particular, the matchup I look at was Isaiah Wilkins against Stan Robinson. Isaiah Wilkins, 6'6 player, uh, you know, sort of a small ball four guy. but He, he looked a lot bigger than 6'6, maybe because he's, he's up against a smaller Rhode Island defender. 210, 215-pound guy playing against 
against Stan Robinson, who's 6'4", playing, you know, an out-of-position small forward. Um, And I look at that matchup, and I saw Wilkins score 19 points and back Robinson down, and eventually Robinson fouled out of that game. And I just think that we've seen signs of life from Rodney Bullock after really, you know, sort of an indifferent start against Houston Baptist and then really against Minnesota. He was invisible in that game. Um, he had 23 points against Ryder last night uh, looking for his shot, taking 18 shots. He's the only PC player last night in double figure attempts and, you know, we've said this all along, Kevin. I think Rodney Bullock is their highest upside player in terms of scoring against elite opponents and if he's able to come out on Saturday and he's able to dominate that matchup with Stan Robinson. He's the type of guy who, in this game, could go for 25 or 30 points, uh, you know, and really upset the balance of power. That that backcourt matchup, uh, you know, could be totally irrelevant if Rodney Bullock comes out and, and plays an A plus. No, no, no question. He's a potential matchup problem, and he certainly has turned the page in, in the last three games. He's played much better for for the Friars. Um, it, 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 Bill, if you can just go. Back to what Dan said today about Ed um, and the Providence program, and then I'm going to do the same thing. We actually have a little little audio clip of uh, what uh, Ed had to say about the Rams today. I, I could read it verbatim yeah, uh, if, sure. if you'd like. Uh, let's see. Go through my notes here. Uh, Dan Hurley's comments. He was asked uh, today what he thought of Providence's program and, and the way Ed Cooley has built Providence's program uh, and the success that they've had. Uh, now, to preface this, uh, Ed and Dan are, are, are friendly. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going over to each other's house for dinner, um, but they are friendly. They do see each other at the gym in the morning. Uh, you know, They do uh, speak on a, a text message basis. And by the way, can I interrupt there a little sure. bit? These guys both have, you know, some means, and they have really nice houses. Sure. Shouldn't you have, like, a gym in your house if you're a, like, coach? I know that Cooley, you know, has a nice little setup there in East Greenwich. Dan, nice setup in North Kingstown. What are you going to Body Works? Or for, I, I don't know where they go to run on the treadmill, but I don't know, Bill. You know, I... I, I know for me, slouch overweight sports writer, I like to get out of the house to work out because it actually, if I had a gym in my house, I would just end up on the couch. Like, I, I yeah, just know. Dan Hurley doesn't strike me as a couch guy. He's, if he has no. a gym in his house, he, he's going to, like, ruin the machines. He's going to work on them so hard. No, that's fair. I, <laughs> I, I did see him in a gym uh, in a casino. They were staying in a, in a casino in Ole, and they were playing St. Bonaventure, and I, I was downstairs in the morning getting a workout. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, and in walks Dan Hurley on a game day and I said uh, is this part of your routine and he said I, I try to make a conscious effort to work out during the year uh, just for the sake of stress management and, and I'm sure Ed you know is sort of along those same lines that begs the question Bill was it possible to be in the casino doing some business and watching Dan work out because that would be a visual I'd like to, I'd like to actually partake in. Well, I was working out in the same room that Dan was working out in. I don't know if I was necessarily watching him work out. Okay. I, I think that's a different... But the casino was in a different part of the, uh, yes. the world? Yes, okay. it was a hotel casino. Okay. It'd be pretty uh, cool, though, if you could you know, play blackjack and see the coach working out. Well, this is Olean. This isn't <laughs> uh, you know the Bahamas. We don't have a swim-up blackjack table. Anyways, to the quotes. So anyway, uh, you know, sorry for the tangent, folks. Uh, so Dan Hurley was asked what he thought of the Providence program under Ed Cooley. And, and the job that Ed has done there. Um, 
you know, and, and, and this was what he said. He said, in a lot of ways, they're a model for running a high-level program. The commitment that they've made, the things that they're building over there, and I've seen pictures on Twitter of the construction. He's referencing the practice facility uh, on campus. And the money being spent and the way that they brand their program. Ed's recruited well. Ed's one of the best coaches in the college game. They have a great fan base. They've got it going there, and they're fully invested in trying to stay there. The expectations are aligned with their investment. Now, Kevin, when you hear those things, what are your takeaways? Well, two uh, two takeaways. Number one, uh, he's talking directly to the hierarchy of his school. Yes. That's A. And B, uh, I give him an awful lot of credit for saying that about a rival, uh, you know, that they try to recruit against. Uh, they play every year. Uh, you know, it's one of the bigger games that, you know, both teams play. Uh, I, I give, you know, it's a very classy thing to say. No question. Uh, there was a dual message there in, in my mind as well. Uh, you know, he does respect Ed Cooley. He said that off the record as well. Uh, you know, he has great admiration for how hard he works, um, you know, for the job he's done behind the scenes, for the way that he sort of, you know, scratched and clawed out of public school in Providence and as an assistant at URI and then at Boston College and then previously as a head coach at Fairfield and, and has ascended to, you know, what Ed's called his dream job and, and is really, you know, hitting a home run with it here, uh, you know, in year seven. He, you know, he, he's got Providence and I, I've said this before, he has Providence, the current version, the way they are structured now, he has them operating at their maximum. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that you stay still in one place. And I think Dan Hurley is making that point to either the URI administration or to the fans. Yes, we won an A-10 tournament last year. And yes, you know, we are an NCAA level program again. Um, you know, but look at what Providence is doing when they've made four straight NCAAs and won their own conference. Now they're going to build a practice facility and they have Friartown and they have record donations being generated by uh, their development department. And their marketing department has folks turning out to the games. The other night against Boston College, they were pushing 11000 for that game. Um, you know, and that's money that, that your program needs. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's just natural of any coach. Uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher, who's the football coach at Florida State, uh, was making comments a couple weeks ago about facilities in Tallahassee and how if you are standing still, other people are racing by you uh, in, in, in college athletics particularly. We've talked about you know the facilities arms race and how much money is being generated and, and spent by these programs. Uh, you know, and I don't think he could make it much more plain for folks to see. And I think he's putting the onus on URI's athletic department fans. What are you going to do next? No, uh, it, it, you know, URI is... You know, still in the building stage, uh, certainly reached a, uh, quite a height last March and, uh, you know, has hopes to eclipse what they did last year, which is that's really, really hard to do. And none of this, none of the success by either school should be uh, to be taken for granted. Simple as that. Uh, I'm just going to play a little bit of what Coach Cooley said today about uh, what's going on at, uh, at the Ryan Center and uh, how impressed he is. College goes to the Ryan Center, you know, we know it's going to be sold out. I think people are cheating that program, not selling that building out every night. Uh, you know, it's a great brand of basketball. They've done a really good job building it. It's a shame that the Ryan Center can't sell out every game. And it's, you know, it's only sellout comes when the Friars come to town. You know, hopefully those fans that support them understand the importance of a home court advantage. And I think those kids and those coaches down there deserve it. 
Again, my takeaway there, uh, Bill, is, uh, you know, classy thing to say. You know, he doesn't have to say that about uh, about an opponent, an opponent that, you know, certainly wants to always be able to beat. Uh, but he has a lot of respect for how far the Rams have come uh, in Dan Hurley's, you know, five years, into year six now. Oh, no question. Uh, you know, and when, when Providence played them very early on, um, you know, and Dan spoke to this a little bit earlier today. Uh, you know, the first couple games when Ed Cooley was in charge, uh, you know, the end of the Jim Barron era and then the first game under Dan Hurley, uh, which was at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, you know, you or I was non-competitive in those games. Uh, you know, they lost by 15 the first time. Friars weren't too good then either. No, they weren't. Yeah. And, and, you know, where it really started to turn was the 2013-14 season. Uh, E.C. Matthews and Hassan Martin were freshmen. And that was a one-point game in Kingston. Uh, it was a 50-49 rock fight. Uh, you know, both teams were like bare-knuckle boxing out there. Uh, Matthews missed a shot at the buzzer short. It was a free throw line jumper. And Dan Hurley in the postgame said, you know you have a special guy when he apologizes to the coach in the locker room for missing the game-winning shot. Mm. As a freshman. As a freshman. He said, we have different character guys coming in, and we're going to continue to add different character guys like this. Uh, Now, sure enough, you know, they've carried him to as we said before, a conference championship and, and an NCAA, which was the first one in 18 years. Uh, the one hurdle they've not been able to get over is beating Providence. And, and you know, to Ed's quote there, uh, you know, he does make the subtle point that the Ryan Center will always sell out when the Friars come to town. We are part of the show. Uh, you know, we are four-time NCAA program, a worthy program, one of the best opponents that URI will play all year. That's our standing. That's our status. Uh, you know, and that appeals to his fan base because, you know, I said this, uh, I appeared on Dan York's TV show earlier this week, and, and I've said that the Friar fans, you know, will will say until they're blue in the face during this week that they don't want to be compared to URI. They'd rather be compared to Villanova mm-hmm. uh, or to Creighton or to Xavier or to Georgetown, and that URI is just a, a nuisance who they play once a year. Um, and nothing drives the people in Kingston more crazy than you know, being dismissed as, as irrelevant. Uh, and I think that, that Ed has a, a very cultured, nuanced, and, and practical way of doing it, whereas some of the folks who might sit in the seats at the dunk have a little more abrasive way of doing it. Well, and I think there's other people in the athletic administration who they, they would much prefer to never go to the Ryan Center. Absolutely. You know, they, they got used to, for years, having the Rams have their home games right across the street here in downtown Providence. Which, let's be honest, those are not home games. It was a quasi-home court. It was Because, not. as the Rams have shown, they can't sell out a 12,000-seat. You know, if they controlled all the tickets, they probably... Now, maybe this year they would sell 12,000 tickets because, uh, as we've seen in the... Um, and the ticket market is popping for this game. Uh, easily, this is the toughest ticket, fans, in the history of the Ryan Center. Uh, oh, no question. There, is, there have been sellouts before, but never where the secondary market is uh, $150 and up for a bad seat. Now, I'm going to appeal to you uh, on this, Kevin. No, I have, it, no, I have no tickets. No, no, you no. can't no, appeal to no, me. No, 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 zero no. tickets. I'm not looking for tickets. I'm looking for expertise, which you might be able to give me or might not. Where we'll, That's to be determined sure. in the next 20 seconds. Um, when was the last time maybe that you can remember this matchup having this sort of heat, whether it be pregame or, or in terms of, you know, trying to get into the building? Well, certainly the, uh, you know, you, you go back to the URI teams with uh, Mobley and uh, and Tyson Wheeler. Those are really good teams. The yeah, and the Fri- Friars were good then, too. Friars right. were rolling. You know, they had, you know, Jamel Thomas and Sham God. 
uh, really more 98, that, you know, the 97, that's when the Friars had their big year. 98, that's when the Rams had their big year. But that, that stretch certainly, uh, you know, we can look up the numbers. This dunk was full, but the dunk was never full where you had to pay $200 to get in the door. Right. I mean, th- this is a different level. And, and it's, it's Ryan Center, you know, there's 7,600 seats and, you know, good for those. What I'm actually, I'm going to really, uh, I'm very proud of the Ram fans that they have not put their tickets up for sale. Absolutely. Uh, there's no tickets available in the 100 sections. Zero. And obviously those are the best seats in a house. Uh, the only seats are in the two and threes, and the threes aren't even good sections. You know, they like to say the Ryan Center has, you know, no bad seats. Well, th- this is blue heaven. You know, you're, you're, you're up there pretty good. Right. Uh, but again, good for the Ram fans. Don't sell your tickets. It's not that much money. You'll enjoy it. Show up on Saturday and have fun. We're about to wrap up here. Uh, I know Bill's going to say, you know, I have to, I have to pick, right? I mean, I have to pick. Kevin, you got to. What do we not have to pick? No, you got to pick, Kevin. I, mean, I got to pick. It's, it's what the people want. You got to give is. the people what they want. It is, and it, it's time. It's time. It is time. for the Rams to win the series. Uh, they, they, they will win. Uh, they're going to, although their rebounding numbers haven't been good yet uh, this year either. I think a big game from Langevin uh, is vital. I think he will be able to do it, stay out of foul trouble, play 27, 28 minutes a game. Providence has really struggled off the glass, and I, uh, you know, I, I think the atmosphere and the electricity is going to be enough for the Rams to win a tight one after just falling short, uh, really short, really close, too many times in a row. I think what scares me about this one, if, if I'm a URI fan, is that Alpha Diallo kind of woke up against Ryder. He had a double-double with 13 and 11. He's a matchup nightmare at six foot seven. Rodney Bullock's a matchup problem at six foot eight. Jalen Lindsay is going to hound Jared Terrell all over the floor, and, and he's at six foot six, and strong senior. I just think that URI is a player short here without EC Matthews in terms of the way that they would match up physically in this game. And and I think we saw a lot of it with Virginia, what Isaiah Wilkins was able to do to Stan Robinson. I, I think Bullock could do something similar here. I do not see URI trying to play a zone to counteract that because Dan Hurley has said they do not play zone very well. Uh, you know, and Providence shot the three pretty well here early in the season. Um, the rebounding numbers aside, URI had a negative rebounding margin going into Brown uh, through five games. They don't beat anyone up on the glass uh, with or without Cyril Langevine. I, I don't see them as, you know, a quote-unquote elite rebounding team. Um, and I just think Providence has had the answers in this series. I, I really do. Uh, recently and, you know, going forward, I think they will as well. Uh, this could be URI's best chance in a while to win this game considering the way that Providence is recruiting considering the practice facility and and all the things that they're going to have going forward Uh, you could see Providence run off and win 15, 16 out of 20 don't, in this don't, series. Don't do it, Bill. I, I mean, you, you do have to go to the games at, at the Ryan Center. Uh, I know you don't wear a, a batting helmet. So uh, this is a year-to-year game, year-to-year pro- proposition. We're only talking about Saturday. and uh, I'm picking the Friars. And I'm going to pick the Rams. And we're all done. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, enjoy PCURI on Saturday.